Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast addresses the Christian's role in today's culture. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Now let's get going. Welcome to the Upper Room. This is Pastor Scott coming to you as your host today. Uh, This will be a direct message. Our church, Bible Fellowship Church, is a small church. We don't have a very large congregation, uh, but we've got a number of very committed people who are committed to the teaching of the Word. And this week I was listening to Don's sermon, and I wrote down a few things as I was listening to it, and the three principles that he went over. The first one being, you know, having that heart, learning to spend time in the Word, to study the Word, to learn about what its teachings are, and just really getting that heart relationship, that love relationship with spending time in in the Word of God. And then the second principle is the, the believing and the trusting in what you're reading. So it's not enough to just simply read through it and say, yep, check that box, I've, I've read it, but actually begin to study it and dig, in, dig into it a little bit and learn what it is the Bible is saying. And, we, and that's a tricky thing because you have to have a correct hermeneutic in order to do that and do it well and come out with the right answer. I mean, a lot of people read scripture. A lot of people have their own ideas and interpretations of what's being said there, which is one of the reasons we have so many different denominations, so many different churches, so many different ideas on, on the Bible and what it all means. And so having a proper hermeneutic, in other words, that, that lens that you look at scripture through, uh, will help you to come to the right answers. And our hermeneutic is very simple. We take a literal, grammatical, historical approach to Scripture. We look at what is being said, who the audience was, what what would maybe have been the meaning the audience would have understood. And then once we kind of understand all of that, then we can maybe pull out some applications. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that today. They read Scripture looking for answers for things that are going on in their lives, and they just pull random verses out that may or may not have anything to do with what they're going through, but then feel like the Bible is speaking to them directly and and going from there. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be because you can come out with some really wrong answers when you do that. But then once you have that down and and you've you've began truly believing in what you're reading and trusting in it, then you demonstrate that trust by the, the third principle which is growing in our willingness to actually do what the Bible tells us to do, right? So we have this opportunity as we study the Word and we dig into it to really learn how the Bible applies to everyday life. You know, what are the principles? What are the things that are there that we can apply in everyday situations? You know, in our work situation, and in our families, uh, with our spouse, uh, with our kids, All of these have ramifications, and if you do them incorrectly, you can have bad outcomes. But if you follow, if you actually believe and trust in what the Scriptures are telling you, I believe that things will go better for you. 
And I think we've got promises in God's word uh, that that help us have that confidence. So I want to dig into a couple of things today um, based on that. And But before I do that, I want to give our audience an opportunity. If you're out there and you're listening to this and you really enjoy what you're hearing, go ahead and share it with some friends. Um, get the word out there that this podcast is uh, in existence, that it is available, and that all you got to do is search for BFC, the number four you, uh, in your podcasting app, and you'll find this podcast, and you can share that with your friends so that they can find it too. Uh, or you can go to our website, bfcforyou.org, and the podcast links, everything are all there. I do want to let our audience know that we will be taking a, a two-week hiatus towards the end of this month. Uh, we're in the month of December now. And the two weeks that we're going to take off will be, there won't be a podcast on the Friday of the 24th or the 31st. And so we'll be retooling and kind of coming up with some new ideas for what we're going to do next year. Uh, but we will be back on January 7th is the plan for right now. If for some reason that changes, we'll post it on our website and let you know when we will be back. But for right now, we're intending to be back on the 7th. So... It's a good month. It's a holiday season. Everybody's um, getting in the Christmas mode, um, seeing lights and Christmas trees and all that kind of fun stuff starting to pop up everywhere. And it's a good time of year for most folks. Most folks associate this time of year with family, with food, with gift giving. You know, you're thinking about other people, trying to decide what they would like. You know, how well do you really know them? Do you know them well enough to select a gift for somebody like that? It's kind of a fun time of year. It's a time of year where you can reflect on others. Um, some people, of course, will reflect on themselves and make sure that everybody knows what their list is and that kind of thing. But, you know, that's just the nature of the beast, I guess. But it's a good time of year. But as we usually try to remind people, don't let uh, all the commercialism and everything uh, destroy from the fact that what we're really celebrating this time of year is the birth of our Savior. And so it's important to kind of ground yourself on that. All the rest of the stuff, there's nothing necessarily harmful about it, but it does distract from the true meaning of, of what this holiday is supposed to be about, which is celebrating the birth of the Christ. So let's, uh, let's not forget about that and all of, the, all of the present buying and everything else that goes on uh, this time of year. So thinking about those three principles and thinking about doing the doing aspect, you know, are, are we really trusting in the scripture or are we trusting in science? Are we trusting in Dr. Fauci? Are we trusting in, you know, our neighbors, the news media, things we're being told? How seriously do we really take what the scriptures tell us? There are lots of things in the scriptures that as Christians, we don't follow anymore necessarily because religiously speaking, spiritually speaking, they don't, they don't necessarily pertain to the church. But having said that, there are still principles there, and I'm speaking primarily of the law in the Old Testament, there are principles there that if we follow them, there are, there are good outcomes. Those, a lot of those things were given for a reason, to help us. And so I, I think it was originally given to the Israelites, the law was, uh, all the dietary restrictions and everything they were giving was to help them with their health, to set them apart. So that the people living around Israel that were suffering with things like heart disease and cancer and, and terrible illnesses could look to Israel and say, well, how come these people aren't suffering with these things? And we're shown in scriptures, or we're told in the scriptures in Exodus, 
that the Israelites were promised that if they followed these laws and ate only the clean animals and the clean things that God said were good for food, that they would be promised that they would not suffer the diseases of the Egyptians. And depending on your uh, translation, that might be diseases or it might be plagues. But the idea is the illnesses, the, the things that Egyptian people suffered with when Israel came out of Egypt. And so there was a setting apart. There was a holiness. There was an aspect to the, the law that if they followed the law, there, they were promised good outcomes. And if they disobeyed the law, they were promised cursing, right? Difficult, bad things would happen. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of aspects of that, that even though religiously, ceremonially, salvation-wise, don't no longer apply to us, we're not saved by keeping the law, uh, there are still principles there that if we will follow them, we will have a better outcome in life. And if we don't follow them, if we ignore them, then we can fall under the, uh, the damaging aspects of that, too. And all this pertains about around a, a, a book that I've been reading again about, you know, following more of a biblical kind of diet, looking at what the scripture really has to say about various foods and does it, does it say that some things are better for you than others? And I, I think we will all agree that, yeah, there are certain foods out there that are better for your health than others. I mean, we all kind of know that science tells us that as well. And they try to do things with a food pyramid and things like that to try to encourage us to eat more foods that are healthy for us and avoid foods that are less healthy for us. So I, I think we we know that we've been raised with that. We understand that. But do we really believe what the Bible has to say on these issues or are we just following the food pyramid or whatever the latest food fad is? Because science is constantly evolving and changing. And as they find and discover new things in our diets that either add to our health or detract from our health, they will change the recommendations of the, of the food pyramid or the food scale or whatever it is they're calling it these days. And so there's a lot of information, a lot of misinformation out there about what is really healthy for us and what's not. So where do you go for clear answers? Well, obviously, I think the Bible is one of those places that we should trust that will give us clear answers on these things. So having said that, I want to talk a little bit about COVID for a minute. You know, we've, we've been, we're almost two years now since the two weeks to slow the spread. We'll be coming up on that. I think that's in March. And so we're what, three months or so away from that. And it's kind of interesting, you know, just thinking about all that's changed and evolved over time as we've learned more about this illness and how it affects us. And, you know, initially uh, we were taking very precautious measures because we weren't sure. We didn't know how easily it spread, what kind of damage it did, what the death rate was going to be. And some early projections made it sound like it was going to be really bad. And I'm not minimizing in any way the, the people who have lost loved ones uh, to this disease. I mean, it is it is a a serious illness for uh, some people, and most of the people dying from COVID are people either with uh, pre-existing conditions or they're elderly people. And I don't want to minimize the loss of those people in any in any way whatsoever. But I think our response to COVID is interesting. Uh, we've got a lot of people, Christians as well, that are deathly afraid of this illness, that they're living their lives in fear. And so I wanted to pull up a scripture, uh, and there's several scriptures that talk about fear, but I just wanted to pull one up in Romans 8, starting in verse 12. 
So then, brothers, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery. Uh, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And there's several verses in, uh, that Jesus spoke about, and I think they're recorded in Matthew and Luke for sure, that talk about, you know, don't fear what, what people can do to you. You know, they can only hurt, kill the body, but they can't kill the spirit. And so, you know, the idea is, is that living your life in fear, especially for a Christian, just doesn't make sense. I mean, nobody, none of us want to die badly. Right, but we all know that we're mortal and that we are going to go by the way of the grave and meet our Maker at some point, and that's just a reality. I mean, that's part of life is knowing that death is a reality, and so living your life in fear of dying and of catching this illness that you know, for all practical purposes, you've got a ninety-nine plus percent survival rate. So chances are you're going to live through it if you get it. And I think it's something now where we're leaving the pandemic phase and we're going in what they're calling an endemic phase, which means we're just going to have to live with it now. It's it's like the seasonal flu. You know, it's going to be around and there's going to be new variants and each variant's going to have for new possibilities of, you know, how they affect the body. But, you know, in some recent articles I've read from different virologists, they're saying that it doesn't make sense for the virus to become more deadly over time because it needs to live in a host. And so the virus, while it may become more easily spread, you know, it may become more, you might become more susceptible to catching the virus as the virus evolves. It's not likely that it's going to become more deadly because it needs living hosts in order to do what it does. And so I thought that was kind of encouraging. But there's also a lot of people, a lot of Christians are afraid of the virus, you know, and rightly so. It's a little scary. I understand that. But there's also a lot of Christians who are also exhibiting fear on the other end. They're not necessarily afraid of the virus, or maybe they are, and they're just trying to seem tough or have a stiff upper lip or whatever. But their fear is being directed as anger uh, to the government, to the government's response. And there's plenty there to be angry about. Don't get me wrong. Our government has uh, mishandled this whole thing in one aspect or another pretty much from the beginning. But to live your life in fear of anything is not the way a Christian should live their life. Whether it's fear of go government or fear of COVID, we should not be marked by that kind of fear. Our allegiance, our trust is in God, and we know that He is going to take care of us, even if we do catch an illness that ultimately takes our life, it's by his design and we, we will go to be with him. That's not a bad thing. So one of the things that's come up in this fear of the government, and we're seeing this both on the right and the left uh, political spectrum, is there seems to be this idea that our government institutions have become so corrupt that they're not salvageable anymore. We just need to tear them down and start over. 
And I'm a little concerned about that. Um, I think that while our institutions are corrupted by sin, as all things are in this world, um, I think we need to be the kind of people who are looking to help solve the problems and restore the institutions, because the institutions themselves aren't necessarily bad. When I speak of institutions, I'm talking about things like government, like family, like marriage. You know, these are institutions that some of which were instituted by God himself that are very much a part of our Western culture, and they've served us very well. And our Western culture has enjoyed a level of prosperity and a level of, I guess, steadiness as a culture for a very long time due to these institutions. And so we definitely don't want to just throw them out or or get rid of them, but they can definitely be fixed. And I've not given up on them. And I think our founding fathers did a good job of setting them up in such a way that they should not have the kind of power that we really do need to fear. And so I I think if we just kind of get back to those roots and and encourage our legislators or maybe become a legislator, I'm I'm not opposed to Christians running for office. I think it would be good if we had more solid Bible-believing Christians in government. But I think that uh, we need to work within the institutions that um, were created and the checks and balances that were placed there for a reason. They make a lot of sense. And so I I see a lot of Christians, you know, especially the more fundamentalist types that would like to see kind of a reinstitution of the Mosaic law as part of our government, you know, kind of develop a theocracy, if you will. And I think that's a bad idea for many reasons, but, but mainly because we know that theocracies don't work. They ultimately become dictatorships, and depending on who the dictator is, that can be a very bad thing. And so, I mean, Israel failed at this, right? Israel had a series of judges. They were living under the law. Uh, judges would come to try to chasten Israel back into compliance with the law. Uh, ultimately, they cried for a king, and there were several kings, some good, some absolutely terrible. And it was a, a mess, and ultimately they ended up in bondage to other nations. And so we see that you know that kind of system doesn't doesn't really work doesn't work well and even in the modern day and modern culture we see theocracies like you know like Iran and some of these other countries that are ran by their religious institutions and their places of oppression you know you you wouldn't want to live there necessarily and so ultimately there will be a theocracy that will work and you know we're looking forward to that day when Christ returns And uh, it will be a one-world government at that time, and it will be a theocracy ran by Christ himself. And so, you know, that's the day we look forward to, but I don't think we can replicate that now in this time through our own devices, uh, because we're still sinful people. We're still dealing with sin, you know, and some will say, well, you know, but we've got the the power of the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff, and that is true. Um, But the reality is, is we don't always walk with the Spirit. The reality is, is we're kind of on again, off again in our relationship to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, if we were consistently following, walking with God, walking in his spirit, then, yeah, I I think we could we could probably create a government that would be uh, honoring to God. But as it is right now, I think what we're what we've got now and that this system of checks and balances with the constitutional republic is about the best we can do. And uh, obviously, it's worked very well for the last couple hundred years for this nation, and I just hate to see that that 
all destroyed for some other form of government that's completely humanistic in nature and will ultimately devolve into a despotism. I don't support that at all. And I think as Christians, we don't, we need to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And part of the problem being that we, in fear, react angrily, we attack, we cause problems, we stir the pot, you know, we do things that are not helpful to the solution. Again, I, I think, you know, if more Christians were actually involved in the legislative and political sphere of our country and stuck to biblical principles, I think we would, we would be much better off as a nation. You know, and ultimately what we need here is we need uh, more grace. We need people to extend more grace. And the humanistic movement that's kind of sweeping, especially on the left, is there is no grace involved in that. You either get in line with their ideals and with what they're trying to achieve, or you're out, you're canceled, you're done. And there's no forgiveness and there's no grace. And so I, I think, you know, that we as Christians definitely need to be demonstrating that that rule of grace, showing grace, demonstrating grace, explaining grace, helping people understand why grace is so important uh, in everything, you know, that you need to to help people and extend grace. You know, it's the only way we're going to get a handle really on the amount of suffering that we see out there, which seems to be kind of the hot button button issues for most people is they want to eliminate suffering. They want to, they see a group of people that are suffering, even though it may be a small number of them. And they say, see, see, this is a reason our system doesn't work because these people over here are suffering. And in some respects, there is some truth in that. And, but it's not, it's not the government institutions that are the problem. It's the religious institutions. It's the churches uh, that have not done a good enough job of doing their part in helping to alleviate suffering, you know, in whatever form that takes. Uh, sometimes we get so pious and so uh, caught up in our own righteousness that uh, we become like the Pharisees and we look down on those that we consider, you know, maybe are living a life due to their own poor choices or whatever. And we say, well, you know, good. They, they made that bed. They should sleep in it. But that's not who we should be as believers. We should be the kind of people that that are trying to do our best to show the love of God, alleviate suffering wherever we can, and spread the gospel. You know, because ultimately that's what's going to help this nation get back on track again, is to uh, give people that godly sense of virtue uh, because our government doesn't work with an unvirtuous people. It, it has to come from a virtuous people. And the only way that's going to happen is if we as Christians spread the gospel and teach people about things like grace and virtue, because that's really what makes our governmental system the way it was set up by our founders to work. So just some things to think about, you know, and going back to those three principles that, that Don laid out in his sermon, they got me to thinking about all this stuff and how that works out in a practical sense. And, you know, I may have rambled a little bit, but I hope that you've been able to maybe identify with some of this and think about, yeah, you know, maybe maybe I could, you know, work a little more at, at truly believing and trusting in what I'm reading in the scriptures and growing in my willingness to do what it says. It's important. It's important that we are actually people who do what the Bible says. It's not enough to stand there and tell other people what the Bible says. If we're not actually doing it, 
that's when the calls of hypocrisy and that kind of thing show up, and they're not unjust. Uh, the church, in many respects, has has completely failed to do the things that that the Bible uh, lays out for us as ways to live and and how do we should be treating others. And so, with that, we've got a couple more uh, episodes we're going to put together before the end of the year. Uh, got some good things coming up, and so hopefully you'll stick with us. And we look forward to being with you next week. And I'll close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you thanking you, Lord, for the people who listen to this podcast, for uh, taking the time out of their busy day and spend some time thinking about and maybe looking at practical applications of the Word in their life. I thank you, Lord, for your Word. I thank you, Lord, for the radical changes it can make in a person's life if they will just begin to trust in it and believe it and begin doing the things that are laid out in Scripture. I thank you, Father, for our church. I thank you, Lord, for the people who come and attend faithfully. I ask, Lord, that as we begin to start some of these new new ministries, I I pray, Lord, that uh, you would bless them and that many more people, even people who can't attend every week, would be able to plug in and be part of our congregation, even if it's virtually. I thank you, Lord for how you've blessed us. I thank you, Lord, for just so many things that we take for granted in this life. Uh, We know that this life is short and that uh, there's really no uh, great promise of anything uh, other than for those of us who trust in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to watch over us, help us to mature and grow in faith as we dig deeper into your word and learn more about you. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought-provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church.